0: My name is Sean Jordan. Welcome to the Adaptive Outdoorsman Podcast. Here we'll be discussing the history and legacy behind disabled hunters, trappers, anglers, and how they adapt and persevere in the woods, on the line, and on the water. I would like to introduce my guest, Lucas Harrow, an elite archer, professional speaker, a former firefighter, and avid outdoorsman at Quadriplegic. Thank you for coming on.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Sean. Happy to be here.
0: Hey, I'm happy you're here, too. It was uh, one of those lovely little things like I uh, saw you on there. I'm like, I need to have this guy on here because I saw the video where you were showcasing you drawing the bow back and everything. And I haven't seen a whole lot of uh, quadriplegics, you know, shooting bows on the Internet. So... And nothing against that, you know what I mean? It's, everybody shoots differently. I shoot with a crossbow, so.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, it's a tricky thing to do. Um, I actually shot with a crossbow up until about a year ago. Uh, yep. I made I made that video for a gal that uh, was, she's a quadriplegic as well. She lives out in Pennsylvania and yeah. was trying to get into the sport um, and just trying to figure out how to do it. You know, I've, I've heard you mention GX4 Adaptive and I think yep. one of your previous podcasts and and they, I mean, they make great products for ad- adaptive accessories for, you know, people trying to get into the sport. But, um, when I approached it, my, my thought was, guy I want to stay away from as many adaptive devices as possible. Right. The, the mm-hmm. more natural I can do this, the better. Um, but yeah, in that, in that video you're referencing, I'm using a, a back tension release, um, and I have tightness in my hands so that I have a lot of muscle spasticity, um, yeah and the, that tightness in my hand just stays on that safety trigger. And then I, I flip it off using something called tenodesis which is essentially just like a glorified movement of your wrist. If you drop your wrist down, your, your fingers automatically open up. If you lift your wrist up, they close up. And so I, I use that basically every day um, to manipulate things, pick things up and, uh, it served me well shooting R3. It took, yeah. took a while to figure that out though. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I shot with a, I shot with a crossbow. I always, I mean, I always hunted, uh, growing up and then 2013, June 30th, 2013, broke my neck in a diving accident out on the Mississippi river. Um, Ouch. Yeah. Yeah. Not fun. Um, blow was enough to break my neck, but not enough to knock me out. And so I realized very quickly, you know, I, I was like, okay, time to swim to the surface. Nothing happened. Um, you know, again, time to swim to the surface. Nothing happened. And I was like, "Oh shit, I'm in trouble." Um, realized my friends didn't figure out that I was not coming up. That you know, that was that was going to be the end of my life. Um, it's a very complicated memory for me. It's uh, it's without question the most terrifying memory I'll ever have. Hopefully, um, yeah. Until I meet my maker, backed by the most magnificent, indescribable, um, if you will, near death experience memory.
0: Yeah. Um, we can't, I we can't
1: talk about it too uh, long. Otherwise my, my eyes will start to malfunction, but you know, very few people get a chance to see what I got to see, um, and then come back yep. and, and talk about it. And so definitely feel an obligation to, to share my story and, uh, appreciate platforms like this to, to do so.
0: Well, yeah, I appreciate you coming on and I know a lot of stuff like that can be emotional and hard and whatnot. And, we Don't have to get too di- deep if you don't want to, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, no, I it it, uh, it certainly sticks with you. Um, and you you, you learn an awful lot in a, in a situation yeah. like that. You know, I think you made mention I, I was a firefighter, originally went to school for business right out of high school, thinking I want to make a mm-hmm. lot of money. What do you do if you want to make a lot of money? You go to school for business, so uh, that's what right. I did. Uh, I went to University of Whitewater, made it one semester before I realized, man, this is not not for me. Um, so I kind of recalibrated and thought what do I actually want to do what makes me happy um and I, I love helping people and I'm a bit of an adrenaline junkie so uh, uh that led me to police officer or firefighter and I went and did a job shadow for both and I came to realize that no one really likes when police officers show up <laughs> no, one, no one's really happy but every, everyone's happy to see the firefighters so um, switched it to a yeah. program did the fire protection uh associates degree and got my EMT, um, and was actively on a, a paid on call volunteer, uh, fire service locally from where I'm at. Uh, hometown is on Alaska, Wisconsin, right by La Crosse, Wisconsin. Um, so did that. Nice. And then uh, the summer before I was headed out to go get my paramedic at university of Madison is when I had my accident on the river. Um, and that was a life changer for me. I, I went from being the guy that helped to being literally helpless. I mean, I couldn't, when I got hurt with my level of injury, uh, it paralyzed me from the chest down. So essentially, if you're standing, you know, I'm obviously sitting, I'm in a wheelchair full time, but everything from the chest down, um, including my triceps, you know, my, my hands, uh, you know, 85% of my body's paralyzed. I have 30% diaphragm function. Um, right off the bat there, I couldn't, I mean, I really couldn't move my arms much. Um, and so that was difficult. Yeah, I had to relearn how to do everything, relearn how to eat, you know, take care of myself. And like I said, going from being the guy that was helping to essentially being helpless. Um, I did copious amounts of physical therapy, but, uh, you know, you you lose so much muscle mass and weight being in the hospital for an extended period of time. I think I did 10 days in the ICU and 60 days, uh, in inpatient rehab. And I think I lost 62 pounds, um, in those 60 days. And so it's, you know, combined with my paralysis and trying to bring that muscle back, um, you know, it took me, I did active therapy after I got out of the hospital for about five years um, just yeah. to regain the function I have to be able to move my arms a little bit. My biceps work, my shoulders work, uh, and that's what allows me to, you know, shoot archery. Um, but yeah, for a long time there at, uh, yeah, I mean, it it just flip, flips your world upside down.
0: Um, yeah. It's a yeah. the crap out of you, doesn't it?
1: it? It certainly does. It certainly does. You know, you realize that your your life can change in an instant. So if you're not living the way you want to be living, it's time to time to rethink things a little bit. Really gives yeah. you a, a better appreciation for what you have. You know, even in a state where I yeah, you, know, you go for you just appreciate what you have. Um, and even yeah. now, you know, it's like I. I'm in a pretty precarious situation. I'm still very limited physically and carry a lot of mental scars from that, that memory and that experience and experiences since then, um, you know, battling PTSD and depression and all Mm -hmm. the medications and opioids and shit that they throw at you. Um, you know, it's the, it's just a humbling thing. It can always get worse, you know, so you got to appreciate what you have and try to wake up and kick, kick every day in the ass, you know?
0: Pretty much, yeah. When I was in high school, I uh, decided to do something really stupid and reckless with my parents' minivan, ramped a hill, and pretty much put the tires flat, nearly went into a river, a small little stream nearby, hit a tree head-on, and put me back on the road facing the opposite direction. Oh, my goodness. I had a scratch on my elbow. (laughs) And... Then the shock came in about four hours later when I was sitting upstairs. Then after that, I didn't drive a car for the next six to eight months. Yeah.
1: yep. I, <laughs> I, bl- I believe it. I yeah. believe that it. it took me a bit. You know, like I said, I was conscious when I, when I drowned and uh, I knew if I didn't get back in the water, within, you know, six months to a year that I'd I'd never get back in. Um, I was having a hard time showering, stuff like that. Um, But I made a point to get back in the water. I was back in the water within seven months. Um,
0: Yeah. So, yeah, the first time I drove, I was 17 when that happened too. So about 20 years ago now. And then prom came up and that's when I asked if I could drive the brand new car to prom and they said yes. And I'm like, okay, treat this thing like a baby and do not do anything stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I've been in some accidents since then, but nothing near as severe as that. And luckily we are working through the problem and having many endure a couple more knuckleheads actually hit me instead of me hitting them has helped out with that sort of thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, a, it's, it's interesting. I mean, it's, you never know when accidents can happen. I, I had another accident on the water about four years after I had my spinal cord injury, and I was driving a boat and uh, just sitting there with my group, and someone came up and tried to splash us in a jet ski, wasn't familiar with how to operate a jet ski, got close to the boat, became nervous, let off the throttle, not realizing when you let off the throttle of a jet ski, you lose all operational control. Um, and mm-hmm. came right up into the boat, uh, crushed my arm. Um, I was Ouch. getting hosp- hospitalized for that. And, uh, I went from having, I mean, I have, I have care staff that, that help me out with stuff. I have high muscle spasticity and with the level of my paralysis, I, it takes other people to allow me to function. Um, I rely on yep. you know, a group of 10 people to make sure I don't die. Keep me, you know, do my daily, daily needs and whatnot. Um, but I went from having, you know, one, one person, 16 hours a day, uh, to two people helping me out. I just, I couldn't, couldn't transfer, couldn't do anything that, but again, you know, within the next six months I was back on the water, you know, it's kind of, yeah, got to keep getting after it.
0: All right. Still go swimming every, so. do you still are able to go swim?
1: Oh yeah. Yep. So I don't go on my stomach too often. Um, I have a hard time flipping myself over. So, uh. Yeah. You know, I, I can, I can go on for 20, 30 seconds or so, but I've, I've, I've done some, some different stuff that maybe wasn't recommended by my therapist. You know, it's uh my physical therapist says, Hey, I'm going to go uh, tubing behind the back of a boat or, Hey, I'm going to go take a jet ski out independently. You know, I'd, I'd have people <laughs> following along, but it's like, Hey man, I, I was good with it. Scare the heck out of other people, but it's like, Hey, just get to me within 30 seconds. That's about how long I can hold my breath. Just. Flip me over, we're good to go. Um, yeah, right. Yeah, I still swim and, and try to get out on the water as much as possible. It's a pretty peaceful spot to be.
0: Right, I got to strap a scuba's tank on the on your back.
1: Heck yeah! Boom.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah I did some. I did some diving uh, before I got hurt. Got certified as a rescue diver. Didn't get uh, much of a chance to practice doing that, but certainly enjoyed it when I was doing it.
0: Hey, that's something you can look forward to as well as some sort of a little retreat where you get to, uh, scuba dive or so. Yeah. That w- yeah, absolutely.
1: Oh, we- I was, uh, yeah, you had, uh, Lopez on the show from OEW and they, they take people out. Uh, they're doing a scuba diving trip. I think they're going to see some sort of shark, like a wh- I think it's a whale shark. Um, oh yeah. I thought, man, that'd be, that'd be a blast.
0: Oh Yeah yeah and speaking of john he was he was a fun guy to have on he oh jonathan sorry (laughs) he was a fun guy to have on telling his story and it was kind of a weird coincidence to me because i didn't anticipate you working with uh oew as well so this is kind of nice being able to see it from the veteran aspect and now the first responder aspect it's kind of cool
1: yeah <laughs> yeah really no it's uh that is neat I mean he, he, he's a heck of a guy um had an opportunity to meet him I joined the oew family uh early 2021 um when I started uh trying to do this archery venture um, but ended mm-hmm. up meeting Johnny in uh no uh late October or so uh right around California area when we were doing a training yeah. camp for for Chula Vista or out for uh, yeah. sorry for Chile.
0: Yeah. Have uh, you met anybody else in the OEW? Have you done any of the uh, like Spartan races or so?
1: I have not had a chance to do any of some of their bigger events. Um, But it's certainly on, on the list of things to do. Uh, They primarily helped me out uh, getting to some of the national tournaments uh, this last year to make the USA archery team. Um, But yeah, I want to get to some of those things. I, I don't know if he can talk me into jumping out of a plane, but um, yeah, I go <laughs> dive with some sharks. That's not that sounds all right. right. Or doing those Spartan races, or the Total Archery yeah. Challenge, something like that.
0: I'd like to do a Spartan race or diving, and as much as it is, I probably would jump out of a perfectly good airplane. <laughs> a buddy of mine, I uh, he's former law enforcement personnel as well. Uh, he used to work as a confinement officer, and before he moved away. But he—he's—I uh, recommend. I was saying, hey, I want to try uh, skydiving. He's like, there is nothing. There was no good idea out of. That's uh, not that, and i probably butch. And I'm butchering the heck out of what he was saying, but it had something to do with perfectly good airplane. <laughs> yeah i yeah. butchered the crap out of it
1: <laughs> yeah i can't i can't get myself to to jump out of a plane just can't do it we'll
0: yeah. see but well the good news is if they do it you'll be strapped to somebody else and they pull the cords so all you have to do is just enjoy the ride
1: yeah that's that's fair that's true
0: that's fair because i think what well, i think what well, you have to log in at least a thousand hours before they even allow you to f- do your own jump
1: yeah, they don't they don't mess around with that stuff, that's for sure. No. no.
0: Yeah, because you got that one time something fails and bad happens and you have no idea how to deal with it.
1: Mm-hmm. Very little time to figure it out, too. <laughs>
0: yeah, right. You ever seen that one video of the dude that Lily jumped out of a perfectly good airplane? And that was the quote right there. Uh and <laughs> then no parachute landed in a net. Properly, What? No, I've
1: got to check that out. That's crazy.
0: Yeah, I literally saw this. This dude jumped out of an airplane and landed in a net, and that is how he uh, survived. I think it was either an airplane or a hot air balloon or something, you know, controlled, but he was able to live and uninjured, mind you, because I think he did a certain positioning of his arms and the legs so his body caught in the net properly so his arms didn't get damaged his legs didn't get damaged his head didn't get hurt or anything and basically it looked like his back took the net and obviously the net's going to release tension it's not going to stay taut and yeah like you dropped a freaking bean in a sack or something
1: <laughs> that's wild now i'll have to check yep. that out
0: yeah It was one of those videos like, okay, I guess he proved the point where we can survive falling out of an airplane (laughs) or from a great height, skydiving without anything. So how long have you been hunting?
1: Um, So I started hunting when I was 12, did the, the hunter safety thing. I'm the only one in my immediate and extended family that hunts. So it was something that. I had to figure out on my own. Um, so I'd go with like, you know, my dad's work buddies or my buddy's parents. Uh, but yeah, so avid, avid hunter, you know, from 12 to 23 until I got hurt. And then after I got hurt, uh, you know, that first Christmas that came around, I was like, shit, I don't even know what to ask for, man. Like I can't, I'm not feeding myself. Like I just get like a bunch of DVDs, like, you know, and I, and I thought, Hey, maybe I could, figure out a way to shoot a crossbow. Um, right. But I knew they were very expensive. It was out of my oh. price range.
0: Um, yeah.
1: And I just so happened to be, you know, Matthew's archery, their factories a half an hour away from me. They're in Sparta, Wisconsin. Um, wow. They're in my back door and somehow word got out that I was looking for a crossbow and Christmas morning, Matt McPherson arranged to have a crossbow package dropped off at my front door. Um, never met wow. the man. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, just a, they're, they're one heck of a company, but it's, it's a pretty big statement of, you know, it just says what kind of guy he is, um,
0: that they personally drop a package off for you as a kid and just yeah. go to town.
1: Yeah. Have never yeah I mean, I never met him, um, to just word of mouth and, and yeah, so that, that kind of set me up. To get back into hunting, which is something that I had written off completely. You know, it's like, man, like I said, you can't, when you can't wipe your own ass, you can't feed yourself, you can't, you're learning how to do all these things. You're in a big power chair. You're like, yeah, there's no way I'm going out in the woods and hunting again. Uh, just so many of those things you initially write off. Uh, but through the help of others, you know, and, and kind of thinking outside the box and a little ingenuity, you can pretty much make anything happen. Uh, so I, yeah. I started researching, you know, adaptive devices and mounting systems for a crossbow. Uh, mm-hmm. They were really expensive as well. And so yeah. I teamed up with uh, one of my buddy's dads and he, it's uh, kind of a MacGyver of sorts, if you will. And he looked at those, the adaptive device that you would use to mount a crossbow and kind of created something for a lot less money. Uh, and we've, come up with generation two generation three of it now we're now what i'm using is a caldwell i use the caldwell tree system i don't know if you're familiar with that at all but i, I use mm. that it's like a i used a modified i use a modified version of that so it's a plate that sits underneath the cushion of my wheelchair with the little post that yeah. comes up between my legs and then uh you mount that mount uh, the mounting system in there the caldwell tree deal mounts right in yeah. my legs it's got uh, pivoting arms on it and you can mount whatever you want on it. So, you know, at the time for me, that was a crossbow. Um, Mm -hmm. and then I I still had all my firearms, but you know, again, I thought, gal, I'm not going to be able to shoot those. Uh, but this Caldwell mounting system would handle the recoil of larger caliber firearms. So that first year post injury, I got injured 2013, 2014, I was in the woods hunting out of a ground blind on a piece of plywood in my wheelchair, uh, with my mounting system and my crossbow, and I managed to harvest, uh, a mature doe. Um, nice. and so I've been hunting pretty much my entire life and just ramped it up since then, just, you know, kind of revamping my, my systems and, and trying to go on as many hunts as I can. Um, yeah. I try to harvest all my own meat. I take a lot of pride in that. Uh, I've, you know, I went on a hunt with Wyoming disabled hunters. I know that you did an episode with them. Uh, yeah. had the opportunity to do a, a pronghorn hunt with them about, oh, four years ago out in Cody, Wyoming. That was Sweet. fantastic. Um, I've done a red stag hunt, a turkey hunt every spring, but, uh, yeah, I, I try to source all my own meat through hunting or fishing of some sort. Uh, here's yeah. the first year I wasn't able to do that, uh, because the competitive archery stuff got in the way.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. I actually learned I think it was last year or so of uh, be adaptive equipment. They're based out of Warsaw, Indiana, and they are the largest uh, adaptive equipment distributor in the world right now. And they're very small. So, and yeah, you were talking about some of the equipment. Yeah, that stuff is pricey, but I've been there and I've seen it being assembled and, made is high quality
1: oh and yeah no 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 denying that i absolutely agree with you there that's the the site that i actually took my idea from um i just yeah. it wasn't in my price range at the time but i, I have some buddies that have it and yeah i i oh, feel it. it's high quality stuff for sure it works really well
0: yeah did you get a chance to while you were hunting the antelope did you have a chance to um Use any uh, specialty chairs out there?
1: Yeah, so there, there's a track chair out there, right? Just kind of a got like the yeah. dozer tracks on it, and yeah, you sit in it. The only problem I have with them, because um, I have used them a few times, uh, with the level of my disability, like with the level, the, the level of my paralysis, um, I really struggle sitting in anything except for my wheelchair, since it's so fit to my body. For more than mm-hmm. like two or three hours, so I am able to hunt from it, but for a very short period of time um, before it just becomes miserably uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, you'd have to have a specialized cushion uh design set up for you, so it would be less cumbersome to you.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I take my cushion with me. It's a lot of it's just the the angle of the backrest and the the amount of dump mm-hmm. in your chair um, has a lot to do with that too, and. I I was recently informed that they make a track chair system with just the track and kind of like the chassis, if you will. And you can drive your wheelchair up onto that and then strap into that. And so that's something I'm looking into uh, for the future right now. What I've been doing is just driving my, you know, wheelchair accessible van out to a ground blind, getting out, you know, getting on top of that piece of plywood, having someone drive the van back and it, I mean it works but it's not a it's not ideal. You know, I I've been yeah, looking no. at like maybe modifying an electric golf cart, something like that, but then I found out that they've got this track chair system where you can still stay in your wheelchair and I think that's going to be the way to go in the future for nice. me. Nice.
0: Yeah. Well, there's pl- I know plenty of organizations that could help you with that as well. Obviously, I've trying to do the slowly but surely do a 50 state initiative of getting a nonprofit out of every state. And I actually need to look into seeing how far I've come with that. I've just been peeking away with different nonprofits all over the place. Really? Sure.
1: There's a heck of a lot of them out there. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't think enough people know about them, you know, um, but they know the ones that I've encountered are, are phenomenal and go above and beyond, to to take you on a pretty awesome hunting experience or whether it's hunting, fishing, or just getting back out in nature, you know, it's a, yeah. that's a huge thing. Um, yeah. I, I don't need to harvest an animal to, to have a really great experience out, out in the, in the woods, man. Like yeah, put me out in the woods. I'll stay there all day.
0: Nice. Yeah. I know the feeling. I know a guy out of Michigan. Actually, I know two nonprofits out of Michigan that would help you out in a heartbeat, uh, hunters for life and hunt to heal. Okay. Yeah.
1: I'll have to, I'll have uh, to check them out. I haven't heard of them.
0: Yeah. Hunt to heal is ran by Carson nine And I pray to God, I got his name right the first time. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, yeah, he's, um, quadriplegic as well. He, uh, broke his neck in a uh, motorcycle accident and literally his friend. And you'll actually, if you listen to the episode, his friend picked him up and carried him out to a blind. They didn't hunt, but they definitely, uh, enjoyed nature and <laughs> that story in alone is, worth it being known it's like you have friends that'll literally say no 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 you're not going to be depressed you're coming with me we're going to enjoy the day
1: yeah no no, those are the kinds of people you want around you i i Mm -hmm. I feel like i got ostracized by a good chunk of my friend group when i got hurt man i just uh you know people people don't know how to interact with you you know they just it's uh nothing different about me. I'm just, I just sit down a lot more than I used to, you know, (laughs) but I
0: I think, I, I think the approach with that for some people is they see the individual. And I think that's a lot of it with our community is they see the broken. Yeah. And in reality it's, we're not broke. It's we're disabled. We're not broken. I mean, I was literally in pain today, standing up and, I know some people are like, "What's wrong with him?" And it's like, "Yeah, I'm in pain. I'm dealing with it. Right. Get over it. Right."
1: And that's a. I mean, pain is a is a son of a gun, man. That's.
0: A, mm-hmm. I got a
1: lot of nerve pain with my injury. And that I I agree with you. It's uh, people do see the broken, and it's there's a lot mm-hmm. of a lot to be said. I, I you know I go and do some public speaking and one of the things I say um, when I'm talking to people is, you know, there's a good chance that a lot of you in this audience are more disabled than I, you know, mm-hmm. a, lo- a lot of it is up in between the ears, right? It's uh, yeah. just the way that you choose to go through, through your day. You know, there's so many things in the world that we can't control. The one thing you can control is how you choose to, to interpret things and the attitude you choose to take. It uh, doesn't mean that that's easy. There are days where that's no. as hell, you know? Um, yeah i i've i've been in the in the darkest rabbit hole i didn't think ever existed um you know and now the Mm -hmm. key is to put yourself around a good group of people you know smaller Mm tight-knit group of friends good support around you and keep yourself from going down the rabbit hole
0: right yeah i had something in the wings and i was thinking about it and then it just completely went away (laughs) <laughs> well, but, can talk about yeah, archery
1: I, stuff if you want um eh,
0: that's that's eh, one thing that,
1: that keeps me out of the rabbit hole man i uh hey. the way that kind of kicked off for me um i've only been shooting for gal probably about a year and a half now but i was yeah. in getting my that crossbow i referenced earlier i was in getting that fixed i had a, a limb bust on that so sent that in to, you know, for warranty to get that sucker fixed and I spotted one of those youth genesis bows, you know, the, the colorful ones and yeah. Something inside me said, "Gal, I ought to pick that up and see if I can't use the tightness in my hands to pull that string back and shoot a compound bow." Um, right. I for whatever reason, I just thought, "Gal, I got to I got to try that." And I was able to do it. I had my buddy come and help hold up my torso cuz I'm my You know, my abs and my, my back are paralyzed and I I got a little bit of upper back muscles, but lower back and trunk is for the most part shot. And I was able to shoot it. And I thought, holy crap, like this, this is something I need to pursue. Um, so I ended up picking up a youth. I got a Matthews mission Raddick, uh, within a Mm -hmm. week and I was pulling 10 pounds, you know, for draw weight, but it was, I was doing it Right. Here I yeah. went from shooting a crossbow with a, I was actually using a bite trigger um, with the paralysis in my hands just to make ethical shots. I, I would hunt with the bite trigger. Um, but here I was going from a crossbow with a bite trigger to shooting a compound bow with hands that that don't function and, you know, 80% of the body that doesn't function. And I, it, it started out for me as a, as a hobby And just a a good spot to hang out. Much better to be a regular Mm -hmm. at an archery shop than a regular at a bar, right?
0: (laughs) Right. um,
1: And so I thought, gal, I'm going to just do this over the winter. And I made the goal to get to hunting weight, which in Wisconsin, legal hunting weight is 35 pounds. uh, Legal draw weight, 35 pounds. So I wanted to get that 10-pound draw weight up to 35 pounds and then be comfortable within 30 yards to make an ethical shot to attempt to harvest a deer. So that was my one-year goal is I'm going to harvest a deer with a compound bow. Um, I'm a pretty full throttle guy. Uh, I'm a hard worker. I spent every day in the range, man. It's good spot nice. to be when you're going through winter in Wisconsin, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> so so I, uh, I'd i go in every day and I'd shoot and I kept giving my bows or my bow to the text. I said, don't tell me what my draw weight is until I hit my goal. Um just kept shooting, kept shooting. I figured it'd take me a year. Um, and I hit my goal in two months. Uh, and that was awesome. Uh, and so I built some muscle. Heck yeah, man. It's a, it's a great workout. Um, great. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a great physical workout and there's so many aspects to, to archery that, that have healing elements, you know, it's, it's a very Zen thing to do. Um, just, yeah, everything else in the world escapes and you just focusing on executing the, you know that one perfect shot um but you know i had reached my goal and i thought okay like what else can i do with this and that's when i discovered the world of competitive archery and that there was yeah. a para archery team out there um i was fortunate enough to be living in the same hometown as you know, she's retired now but at the time was the number one class w1 para archer in the world her name is Leah coriel Um, she kind of introduced me to para archery. She's like, Hey, you're shooting. Well, we need people on the team. Like, what do you think about this? And after she got done pitching it to me, I was like, what? I get to go travel and shoot archery. Like, that sounds fantastic. Uh, so yeah, you know, reset my goals a little bit and started hitting the range pretty hard. Um, you know, just increasing my training and cranking up that draw weight trying to become more precise, executing a good shot process, and decided to make a run for the USA para-archery team. Um, In order to do that, you got to go to all these different national events. Uh, They're called USAT qualifiers. So there's one in Arizona, Florida, Ohio, Pennsylvania, uh, California. Uh, I think that's all of them. Um, But you got to go to at least three of those. Yeah. And –
0: well, what was the draw weight you finally got up to?
1: Right now, I am shooting 41, and for my classification at W1, it peaks out at uh, 45 pounds. So, nice. I can really only bring it up four more pounds, um, and I'll, I'll probably creep it up this season. Um, but I spent all of 2022 doing those national events, and it wasn't until the very last event that I actually hit my minimum qualifying score for the team. So, you need to shoot 590 out of 720 um, which is 72 arrows with a possible score of 10 you're shooting at a 50 meter distance about 55 yards with a 10 ring that's about the size of a grapefruit maybe a bit <laughs> smaller about 10 right. small. um so not not an easy thing by by any means um and I wow. ended up shooting a 600 out of 720 on that last day of outdoor nationals at the uh, 2022 pennsylvania event which didn't qualify me for the team um to like be on the team but it qualified me to shoot and represent the united states internationally with the team so i am technically not on the usa para archery team but i shoot for the usa para archery team and this year within the first event i should hit my minimum qualifying score to make the team
0: that's good and did you? Were you able to harvest a deer this past year, or not?
1: Yeah, I didn't. So once I hit that score in Pennsylvania, my focus shifted to the international event, which was in Chile. Um, and so I, wow. I did end up sitting. I sat seven times. Um, my third night out, I took a shot at a deer, uh, a mature doe, and I, got yeah, I. So in theory, I accomplished my goal. I executed a shot on a doe um arrow kit mm-hmm. i misjudged the yardage hit it in the brisket brought dogs mm. out to track it man it was oh it's just a horrible feeling uh didn't end up finding the deer uh but uh so no the the majority of my hunting season was consumed by you know with training for chili um and yeah. trying to get to that international competition sorry man. Hey, yeah, dogs going yeah. nuts hang on here
0: i understand that completely i've got literally A full-size fur missile, and then a secondary one that's about 13 weeks now, and he is just a tank of a little boy, and he's growling and being aggressive and running around here, so I'm trying to get him (laughs) to stop. He's literally getting into everything, so I'm having my son run interference. (laughs) 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 But... What type of dog you get?
1: I have a golden retriever,
0: uh, eight year old golden
1: two. retriever. He's uh, he's a good nice. friend, man. It's uh, yeah, good good support system for sure. Best security yeah. uh, system you can have too. That's for sure. <laughs>
0: oh yeah, oh good. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. There he goes again.
0: <laughs> right? Yeah, I got two German shepherds Just rolling around now. A boy and a girl, and the girl is literally the. Uh, uh, alarm system. The other one doesn't know what it is yet. <laughs> they said he's into the Velociraptor phase of all German Shepherds. So, chewing on everything, e- eating everything, grabbing everything, and not giving a damn. <laughs> right? So, uh, what are the things do you plan on doing? uh this next year especially this spring with turkey season coming up
1: yeah so i got my tag um got my application in i'll uh, shoot shoot turkey season i got approved for third season um so i'll sit for that uh turkey hunt i shoot uh in a trap league at a local gun range here so i'll shoot that in the summer um yeah i'm really trying to line up i'd love to go down south and do like a hog hunt or. know potentially take a crack at an Axis deer or maybe go out west and and take a crack at a mule deer. The problem I'm having is I'm I'm definitely running short on time. So right now I'm in my off season for competitive archery and we'll start back up early April. So right now I'm kind of just working out the kinks for that. And then for the most part starting April I mean, man, I'm going to be in Arizona, Florida, Ohio, Pennsylvania, California. This year, we're going to the Czech Republic, uh, which is the World Archery Pair Championships. Um, So assuming I shoot well at the national events, I'll be representing the United States and the Czech Republic. And then back to uh, Santiago, Chile in South America in November for the uh, Pan American Games. Uh, So it's uh, Uh a pretty heavy duty schedule this year so I don't know if I'm gonna have as much time to hunt as I'd like uh but I have every intention of sitting as much as I can archery season for sure and and trying to harvest that deer.
0: Yeah right I can't stand not having
1: wild game in the fridge man I need wild game in the freezer
0: yeah I got uh this past year I was the only deer I got was a doe opening day last light and it took me two shots to get took one shot missed and it was a field full of seven so i'm like yeah okay i can take one of these and shot missed completely and found the bolt later on three deer came back and well and then one just bounded back over well not three one of them came back and was bounding over near where i'm at and i'm slowly reloading a crossbow and this is the one where you gotta pull everything back too and then putting the bolt in and then take an aim. She bounds another 10 feet and it's a perfect uh, double lung. Heck yeah. And she crashed the way the land set up is she crashed right where the buck last year crashed. It's a staging area where they're covered on all three sides, but they can see out into an open field where they were at. So you stop, look back, done. Can't see me anymore. Nice. So, yeah right. Yeah, those one of the perks of that,
1: dude. Those crossbows got some got some stopping power. Yeah, if that's for sure.
0: I know there's a lot of controversy on crossbows, but it's like, it, I I always rank it up there being like the muzzle loader to the bow. Yeah, oh, you have you can get more shots off with, and both of them you only got. 40 yards max most people will be feel like it's an ethical shot i mean that's all there is to it yeah I, I
1: i think the the crossbow gets a bad rap um i think for the guy like the the reality of archery man like you got to put the time in and you got to practice and it's it's mm-hmm. not it's definitely not easy um i felt much more comfortable shooting my crossbow. Uh, you know, just from an ethical standpoint, yeah. it is, it is difficult to see guys coming in with their kids and instead of steering them towards a compound bow, the kids go, Oh, I want, I want that crossbow. And like, dad goes, yep, let's get that. You know, and I see these guys come into the, yeah. into the shop that I shoot at all the time and they come in and say, Hey, like, I'm kind of having a hard time with my, with my shoulder or something like that. And, there are plenty of applications where it's appropriate like if you can't get out and and mm-hmm. and shoot enough um i think it's absolutely a great way to go if you have indeed got some physical impairments that make it difficult to do i think it's indeed the way to go but i don't like watching the youth being pushed towards crossbows and i think i think people get at least if you're a fly on the wall in the shop that i'm at people get cocky and they're not taking 40 yard shots they're taking Seventy yard pokes with this crossbow, like it's a, you know, a little lower grade rifle, and they're accurate as heck. But at anything over fifty yards with a crossbow, I think is relatively unethical. But
0: no, I don't. I agree with that entirely. I mean, if I were to go to a shop or archery range and get my boat properly set up for a shot, I would only go forty yards maximum because. Yeah. You can shoot 70. I've tried it. I failed miserably. And I hit a tree with it. So <laughs> say goodbye to that bolt. And it was a freaking uh, expensive broadhead. I'm like, yeah, no, nope, we're not doing that. So. That's
1: good. There's so many people that don't hunt that think, oh, man, like, yeah, it's, you know, by the time you get your meat, you know, if you process it yourself, it's not not that expensive probably a lot cheaper in the store it's like no no it's not man it's it's really expensive to hunt you know yeah between the arrows and and the broadhead and
0: yeah well let's see state tags for the we got a bundle pack you know for ours archery and crossbow are two separate seasons that actually run perpendicular to each other for the entire length of the hunting season. So from October to January 31st of this year, it was, and the, so basically if you want to hunt crossbow, you have to apply for the crossbow tag, unless you get the bundle pack in which it covers everything. But if you, you know, hit your deer with the crossbow, you have to claim crossbow on the tag, but you, you Know they have separate tags for them, so it's a separate season altogether that just runs perpendicular to your archery. Then we have uh firearms that comes up in muzzle in November, and then muzzle loader that comes in in December. And like I said, archery and crossbow run the entire season, okay. yeah, and that. Yeah. The price tag for that bundle tag went up to from $65 to $95 for, for uh resident goodness. Yep.
1: Yeah. You gotta, gotta pay to play. It's definitely getting expensive. I was looking at out of state tags. I'm pretty close. I'm in, you know, in Wisconsin, I'm pretty close to Iowa and Turkey hunting yeah. in Iowa is phenomenal, but it's, 300 bucks. I want to say by the time everything's all said and done for non-resident tag that, and then you got to find, yeah, guess, you know, land to use. And
0: Yeah. You've got to get your hunting license. You've got to get your Turkey license. You've got to apply for all the fun little permits and everything. Right. Yeah. I think that's about the same price for, I think it's 190. No, it's about $200 now for out of staters just for ter- for hunting uh deer with a regular tag i think that's not included in the bundle tag
1: and i understand they got it you know they got to cover costs and all goes back into wildlife yeah. management expenses and that and that makes sense but i hope that they make it i hope they don't continue to jack the price up I think hunting is starting to fall away um yeah i want to continue yeah. you know you're, you're a hunter i I'm a hunter as well. I want to make sure people yeah. are continuing to do that. And the more expensive it becomes, the more barriers they throw up, the more difficult it's going to be to, to kind of keep yeah. that around. People are so disconnected with the way they get their food now. Take a plastic card, go to a grocery store and swipe it, and you get a nice little cellophane-wrapped package of meat.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, yeah.
1: it's, it's part of the human experience, man. It's uh, getting out in the woods, hunting and harvesting an animal. There's not really anything like it. But that, food, oh, I know. like, it, it, I mean, it completely, for me, it changes my appreciation for each meal. You know what I mean? It's I uh, I don't know, Yeah, it's a different kind of deal. And then you, if you have the opportunity in the space, you, you mount them up on your wall and it's a, it's an honor of that life, right? Like it's an honor of the life that's given.
0: Um, mm-hmm. Memory of the hunt. Right. And in my case, my wife says, if I die, she's selling them to my cousin. i keep explaining to him it's a silicon mold glass eyes and rubber cement underneath and the only thing that's literally real about them is the hide and the antlers and she's like i don't care (laughs) does not care and i'm like why this is a great memory. It's not looking at you. It was painted that way. <laughs> Embrace the art. My wife loves painting. She's like, nope, it's gross. And her dad uh, was the guy that got me into hunting. Okay. And so she's used to the hunting stuff. But unlike her father, I'm better at cooking it. <laughs>
1: That sure has a lot to do with it, man. I, I didn't know how to cook wild game for a long time. I still have yeah. a lot
0: to learn. but Yeah, we all do. I did my first venison Wellington on a smoker Ooh. grill. Well, it's like a Master Bill 560. So it's a charcoal grill wood smoker combo. So okay. you load in the, the hopper wood splits or chunks and charcoal. So I do like oak briquettes and then whatever charcoal I did, uh, whatever wood chunks I did. I think I did like a cherry or an apple with it. And I just put it at 440, uh, 445 or something, you know, like a freaking oven because my, that thing can literally go from low and slow at 150 all the way up to 700 degrees. Jeez. So yeah, I was putting it out at in negative temperatures. I think it was ten degrees outside, and here I have have a four hundred degree oven outside that's producing smoke. Wow! And it cooked it beautifully. Uh, venison welling the first time, wife and I do not eat mushrooms a whole lot, and she literally said, "You can't even taste it. it tastes so good."
1: Heck yeah, man!
0: Yeah. So if you're looking for a venison Wellington recipe, uh recipe i got it covered
1: hey love it yeah you're making me hungry (laughs) Uh,
0: i'm going to be doing pork ribs on the smoker for the super bowl so
1: that's something i want to get into getting a smoker and playing around with that like make my own jerky or something
0: yeah well do you want to do uh pellet smoking which would be the obviously the bag it's closer to a chair height and everything so that'd be easy
1: yeah, I think I think that'd be the easiest option.
0: You know, well, they do have the electric smokers as well. Yeah, that
1: would work too. Yeah, I, I know,
0: right? I
1: like the idea. Damn, they make jerky so damn expensive. It'd be nice to just do a little venison jerky or well, elk jerky. Right.
0: I've recently had elk and for the first time, and dear good Lord, that's some sweet meat.
1: Oh man, dude, me too. I just, uh, I was out training with a guy in Colorado. I tried an elk steak for the first time maybe three weeks ago. And yeah, absolutely fantastic. Um, Oh, yeah. I had an opportunity to hunt a red stag up in northern Wisconsin. Uh, It was a a dream hunt. It was a nonprofit called, um, oh gosh, why can't I think of the name of it? There you go. It's always when
0: it's Yeah, it's always when you think you got it and it goes. Right,
1: right. field of dreams. That's what it is. Um uh, but they're out huh. based out of Rice Lake, Wisconsin. Um they'd be a good organization yep. to to reach out to and maybe have a chat with, but they've done a lot yeah. for me and and they took me on this red stag hunt which which is a high fence hunt. You know, they're not native to to America, but you know, high fence hunting gets a gets a bad rap, but when you're in a compromised physical situation, sometimes that's the only way you can do it. I don't anticipate right. getting lowered in from a helicopter and hunting an elk out west anytime soon. So this is my opportunity to do something like that. wasn't like shooting fish in a barrel either, man. It was a, it was a big yeah. farm. You know, it was like 300 acres, and it was a couple-day hunt. You know, it takes a while for the right animal to come in. Sure, you see a lot of animals, but you're still hunting for yeah. that one. Um, yeah. And just to well, see uh, the amount of animals and the way they interact was pretty badass, to be honest with you. Got to see a couple of oh, yeah. And, that was cool. But the meat was fantastic. And that was uh that blew venison out of the water. And then I had elk, and I was like, man, I wish I still had made me miss my red stag meat. Wish I still right. had a little bit
0: of that. Well, uh, the good news about the elk, there is an organization out in Utah called Disabled Outdoorsmen Utah, and they take disabled individuals on elk hunts. No kidding. No kidding. And they do a lot of scouting. They've got four by fours. They'll take you out uh, because I know a couple of friends of mine from that organization. They have a couple of videos. You'd look it up and see it. This girl that's paralyzed. Uh, she took one from a vehicle, I believe, or they got her out. They've actually carried a couple of people as well. So, Wow.
1: I'm going to have to reach out, man. That, that would be an absolute blast. That's a dream hunt.
0: Yep. My dream hunt is mountain goat. That'd be a good one. Yeah. that for me is more or less the mountain is the thing that I want to conquer because with my feet, I can't move them as I can't move them at all. So if I start going backwards, yeah, pretty much I'm, not coming back up, yeah. <laughs> so it's more or less, yeah. Okay, we'll get to the goat, but it's gonna be one of those days. <laughs>
1: <laughs> where do Have you want to go to do oh. that?
0: Ah, uh, I'd probably go someplace in the main fifty for that. If, but, but you know, obviously, Alaska be one of the dream dreams.
1: Okay. Yeah, that'd be yeah. a blast too.
0: Yep. Yeah. I'd like to do some antelope hunting too. Some yeah. Strong horn.
1: Heck yeah, man. Get out to Wyoming. They uh the, the interesting thing about them that I didn't I didn't really realize. So I harvested my antelope and got it mounted, got it shipped back from Wyoming to Wisconsin. And it was mm-hmm. the first uh kind of warm summer, spring summer day we had here. And I, I thought, man, what is that smell? And sure enough, like you kind of get this sage smell coming off the, the mount, even though they take the scent glands off, you can still kind of get this sage smells. It was, it wasn't a bad smell, but it was just like something different, you know? And I, I didn't realize what it was right. you know, close to the mound I was like, oh, that's kind of neat. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, for the first couple yep. of years, that smell hung around. Um, the you don't
0: get meat- that much <laughs> smell from white tail.
1: No. No, I I haven't noticed anything um, from the mounts that I have here from from the white-tailed deer, but that was the yeah that was the yeah. first time I had a a unique smell coming off a mount. I was like, yeah, that seems kind of different, but it, I mean, it wasn't a bad smell by any means.
0: Right, I'd like to go down to Texas to some of those exotics. I got a buddy of mine I need to come visit too. Chad Waligura of Able Outdoors, he's taken some guys on some teal hunts down there, including some uh, blind, a blind guy who Daniel Ferrero of No Excuse Hunting, he took him down too. And he actually took wing, bu- wing shot some birds. No kid. Not joking you. So, I. I know a couple of guys that you could probably hook up with and you'd have a fun time with. Heck yeah, man. I'll I'll take you up on, on the opportunity
1: to to, to meet some new people. That's wild. I'm trying to wrap my mind how a blind guy can, can shoot ducks and whatnot, but.
0: Oh, he's got a whole system. that was created that, uh, basically he takes, uh, somebody takes aim with the rifle with a camera system. well, they have the camera system. He takes aim with the rifle, and they tell him up, down, left, right, and then they tell him when to shoot. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's freaking cool. Yeah, and, yeah, he says he doesn't get buck fever or anything like that till he touches the animal.
1: No, Ken, I believe that.
0: Yeah, but, yeah, there you go down there, and I'd really love to hunt some Neil guy down there you ever seen those dang things? No. Oh, they are. I believe they're Indian antelope. They're as big as a cow. No kidding. And their hide is about two to three inches thick. Jeepers. They absorb bullets and they seal themselves back up. So you literally have to take multiple shots in the same area or they will be gone and you will not see them ever again. That sounds like a
1: challenge and a half. (laughs) good <laughs>
0: job right i'm like i want this so yeah there's a bunch of them
1: <laughs> that's not that's not a crossbow situation i'd imagine
0: <laughs> oh no that's a uh we're putting this on a high-powered rifle although i've seen guys do bow shots on and i've heard of them taking bow shots on deal guy wow so, okay yeah it is possible uh-huh. But, no, I'd like to have the most ethical and quickest way of doing it.
1: Yeah, for sure. For but, sure.
0: Yeah. So you uh, do motivational speaking. Uh, when did you get started into that?
1: Um, so about a year after I got hurt, I started doing that. Um, I was just looking yeah. for a way to, like I said, man, I got caregivers and stuff all the time. Um, you know, I was not doing the best mentally. And I was looking for a way to help others, looking for my purpose, yep. right? And and I found that in just sharing my story with other people. Um, and you know, even if I'd go into a, a group and speak to a couple hundred people, if, even if I could touch one person out there, you know, if, if we can get one person that listens to this that you know that takes something away from it, that that yeah. for me is a is a way to give back. So it uh, it it started about a year after I got hurt. Um, and then kind of phased out a little bit once COVID happened and I've done a few like virtual ones, but yeah, really kind of just took, took a couple of years off. Just wasn't a whole lot happening, but now I'm starting to ramp it back up again. Um, so I have a couple next week and I'm, I'm going to try to pair them with, you know, as I travel for these national events, uh, you know, maybe do a couple in Arizona or Florida, anything like that. So, you yeah. know, if there's any of the listeners or, you know, anyone that might benefit from, you know, having a guy come in and. Chat about some stuff. Uh,
0: yeah, give me a shout. Right? Is this your? This is how you normally uh, pay the bills and everything? Is motivational speaking?
1: Yeah, for the most part. So I, I can't work. Um, can work, but can't work. I spend a lot of time during the day managing my body, um, and so I collect disability, social security. Um, but then I have a supplemental needs trust, so the the money I make from speaking goes into that and that helps fund, um, like my archery venture. It costs about $25,000 a year to be on the U S archery team and travel with the caregiver. A lot of people don't realize that because, you know, once you make a team that they cover a lot of your costs, you know, for the athlete, but if you can't travel independently, then that cost falls upon the athlete. So, um, you know, when I go, I, uh, you know, when I go and speak, that's, that's something I touch on now that that's something I'm actively doing is, Hey, this, this is what I'm trying to do. You know, the goal is the 2024 Paris Olympics. It's about 15 months away. Um, so I'm fundraising for that at the moment.
0: Uh, All right. Trying to get any sponsorships.
1: Yeah. Um, I am currently sponsored by hamski, uh, and then Ramrod stabilizers, uh, just picked me up. Uh, so nice. I reached out to Matthews as well. Um, and I'm hoping that they'll get on board. I, I was shooting a Hoyt the the Carbon RX7. I struggled with the front end weight, you know, and just holding that up uh, with the nature of my disability. So I went with the lightest bow I could find, you know, not necessarily ideal using a hunting bow for target archery, but it worked just fine. Um, But about two months ago, I I segued into more of a hunting bow. So I, I shoot a matthews trx 36 inch axle to axle they make a few bigger models but for me this was jumping from a 30 inch axle to axle to a 36 inch axle to axle bow is a a huge difference man it's just uh it's a game changer much more forgiving especially on longer distance shots you know when you're putting 72 arrows at 50 meters you you need all the forgiveness you can get
0: (laughs) yeah right so how, where do you see yourself doing in five years time? Do you see yourself competing more or hunting more? Um, that's a good question. So
1: like when I first started out with the journey, I thought I would for sure go through to the Paris Paralympics. I, I said, all right, I'm going to do a, the four-year Paris or the four-year Olympic cycle. Um, mm-hmm. I think I'd like to find a nice, happy medium. But uh, I really am enjoying the competitive side of of archery. I, I yeah. think opportunities to hunt will come. Um, you know, I, eventually I'm going to reach an. I'm 32. I'm, I'm going to reach an age where I'm going to have a harder time keeping up with some of the guys that I'm competing against. So five years from now, I think I'll probably be aggressively training and competing but hopefully also still making the time for the thing that I love, which is just being out in the woods and and trying to get some hunting then. Hopefully still doing some speaking. Um, I'd love to get out of Wisconsin. Uh, (laughs) Like the snow and being in a wheelchair and being in Wisconsin is uh, just not a smart thing to do, man. I just, uh, I got family and, and friends here, but. I, ideally in the next five years I'll be someplace a bit warmer where I can actually yeah. train at my competing distance year-round like a lot of my my teammates do uh, you know it's uh tricky tricky to not be able to train at 50 meters year-round and then come into the season you know season starts early April I maybe get a week or two outside and, you know it's 50 degrees out 40 50 degrees out I'll shoot outside for a bit and then head yeah. down to Arizona and hope to do my best
0: yeah, well, I hope that goes out well for you. Yeah, thank you. You ever man. tried it? Well, you ever tried any uh, catfish noodling or anything else other than that?
1: I've never tried anything like that, but uh, I would <laughs> I would enjoy doing it. I I can't you know can't move the fingers or anything, but I I wouldn't mind sticking the hand in the mouth of a catfish, see if I can't yank something out.
0: Yeah, that would be cool. That's one of the things I want to play with too: is catfish noodling. There's a lot of fun stuff.
1: I think that sucker would pull me right in the water.
0: <laughs> well, a buddy of mine out of New Jersey, he went with Hannah Barron and they went catfish Newland and he actually pulled one. So, and he's paralyzed. Uh, it's a quadriplegic as well. So,
1: no kidding. Okay. You yeah, have to look into it, man. That, uh, it sounds like a blast. I've seen. I've seen it on TV a few times and some cool YouTube videos of guys doing it.
0: Yeah. So, and that's how I saw him. I was following somebody else, uh, her, and then she posted a video of that. And I'm like, okay, I got to talk to this guy. And we're pretty good friends on that. And I won't say his name on the air till he says yes. And that's what I do is I keep a lot of, you know, if somebody says, no don't mention me or I don't have their permission I ain't gonna do it so Sure
1: that I respect that for sure right. I'd like to get into I'd like to do some more fishing I my buddy just started tying his own flies for trout fishing um <laughs> and I that was something I'd written off too it was like yeah man there's no way I can go Use a fly rod like that, you know, yeah. didn't think it was possible. We literally like duct taped that sucker to my arm the first day and I <laughs> <laughs> floated down Montana, just you know, right off the side and you know, snagged the guide's hat every once in a while. Uh, but no, I, oh, it was, uh, <laughs> it was Access Unlimited was the organization I, I worked with and they were out oh, of yeah. Bozeman, Montana. Um, and that, that was a fantastic organization. Um, Took me on a me and my older brother on a four-day Montana fly fishing trip. Um, that'd be a good good one to reach out to. Uh, they do a lot of work with Craig Hospital out in Colorado, which is kind yeah. of a spinal cord injury. They have more of a focus on spinal cord injuries, but um, no, that was a fantastic trip. Got to do a two day float and then did some trap shooting. That was the first time I realized I could actually shoot something above a twenty-two caliber rifle. So like, like All I mentioned, right. I use that shooting system, um, but I, I can shoot 22s independently because I can hold the weight up and I can handle the recoil. Well, when I was yeah. out in Montana, they handed me the shotgun. They said, here, Lucas, why don't you try and shoot this? I was like, dude, there's no way I'm going to be able to do that. You need to hang on to the gun while I take this first shot. And so they, they hung on to it and uh, I was able to execute a shot, you know, just use the tightness in my, in my finger to kind of pull against the trigger and, execute a shot and uh yeah i i probably shot you know i'd shot that first shot and i was awesome i mean i didn't i didn't come damn near close to hitting the thing i just wanted to see if i could fire the gun and uh i spent the afternoon you know i probably shot 50 times shooting at these clay targets and i could actually do it independently so sure as shit when i got home it's like i gotta buy this gun um went online it was a Benelli ultralight 20 gauge and nice. uh comes in at a nice price tag of 1500 bucks. I was like, okay, can't buy the gun. Um, nope. But then, uh, for whatever reason, you know, like I said, man, I, I'm, I'm kind of collecting disability doing the social security income. They still sent me a stimulus check. And so I did what every responsible American citizen ought to do. And I went and stimulated the economy in the form of a, <laughs> in the form of a Benelli ultralight shotgun baby. So I, I, uh, and that's uh like I started shooting trap league at, it was fantastic. I was like, "Sweet, thank you,
0: thank you." for I went that. to us <laughs> right. I went to a sporting goods store up in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and they had a used Benelli Super Black Eagle three semi-auto, camo pattern for waterfowl, used. Guess how much the MSRP for that is? Not used. You know the MSRP for a brand new one. Probably. So- 1200 bucks 1400 bucks 1799 Jeepers. this one's was a used one it was in the used rack guess how much 1200 <laughs> 1699 goodness man a hundred dollars off a used shotgun I mean I get it there
1: I mean they make a fantastic fantastic shotgun but that's outrageous money for for
0: a shotgun.
1: Right. Yeah. It's the Rolls-Royce and shotguns. That's, that's what that is.
0: Yeah, I've got a Supernova with a tactical grip on it, so it's vertical
1: yeah. instead of the
0: classic. Uh, yeah, that's nice for me. I love those style because you can literally get up, post up, and I've taken on morning doves and you know... Emptied a box and a half, but I got my morning dove. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that the tactical
1: I, style, man. I think that's the way to go too. I I enjoy yeah. shooting that way. I had the the shotguns I do have are all equipped with. They them.
0: feel more comfortable when they're snug against you, and you have your hand down versus up and arm out and everything. Yeah, for sure. I yeah, I've got some turkey shot. I you know for turkey hunting. Which you probably got more turkeys than I do. I've got none, but
1: yeah, I've I got just gotta- in no turkeys, huh? I I hunted for five yeah. years, didn't see any toms, and then uh, I harvested the last two years. I've been successful, so I got I got two toms. Um,
0: That's good. Yeah. Well, I'm going to be going out this year and praying to God. So
1: they're uh yeah, I love I love hunting them. It's such a cool experience. People. A lot of people bash on turkey hunting. You know, it's like, no man, it's fantastic. It's so interactive. they're, oh, yeah. they're loud as hell. What do they call like the thunder chicken? I, I got <laughs> yeah. a shirt that says uh, "Thunder Chicken." Bring the noise. Um, so the Sitka <laughs> makes it. It's fantastic. Uh,
0: I've got, I've got a, tr- I got to buy a new turkey call this year. But you know, I got a new diaphragm every year. I don't know why, but I just do. But I got a uh, crow call and I actually learned how to use it and I actually got a response. So nice.
1: Yeah, dude. I got to practice. On my list of things to do is start busting out the mouth calls and and get to practice. And it's a pretty cool thing to call in a turkey or to just, you know, like even get them to respond. You know, deer hunting, Mm -hmm. it's nice being out there. You know, they're around. But man, when you can call to an animal and they call back, and then you, you call them again, and they're getting closer and closer. That's freaking awesome! That's such a cool yeah. experience. Um, so, I do I, I hope you snag one this year?
0: Yeah. So, do you want to tell anybody, everyone, where to find you at? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, if you guys want to follow along, um, like my competitive archery journey and, and some of the stuff I'm doing, I'm kind of embracing social media a bit more and just trying to share some of the tips and tricks I've learned over the last nine years. Uh, you can find me on instagram it's just lucas harrow l-u-c-a-s dot H-E-R-R-O. Uh, also on facebook feel free to look me up uh just start a tiktok account so it's at lucas harrow 462 um you know if you want to shoot me an email you got any questions or you you know think you you know someone that might benefit from talking to a, a dude who's been paralyzed for nine and a half years you know you always learn stuff from your peers. Uh, you know, I've, I've learned the most from other guys in wheelchairs and, or, you know, whether it's a mm-hmm. physical struggle, mental struggle, whatever um, you can shoot me an email to L H E R O the number 18 at Gmail. So.
0: Yeah. Right. So, well, thank you Lucas for coming on and talking. It's been a fun pleasure. Yeah, man. And I appreciate it, John. I, yeah. Hey, I appreciate it as well. Uh, and remember everyone, Stay adaptive.